You're listening to Nursing Review Radio. While many speakers of Indigenous languages living in remote areas can converse in English about everyday matters, they often have a poor grasp of English when it comes to health communications. Dr. Robert Amory from the University of Adelaide raised this concern in a recent article published in the Medical Journal of Australia. Amory said miscommunication isn't just about language. Some of these difficulties also arise from the interface of communication and culture, which are often derived from differences in worldview. Robert joins me now. Welcome. Hello, Dallas. Yeah, thank you. In what ways are are some of the conversations between health professionals and First Nations people not hitting the mark or or reaching their intended purpose? Well, when we use language, we often use metaphors and idioms just uh, without thinking. And uh, we might say, well, you've got high blood pressure. Uh, You better be careful. And what does that mean? I guess from the point of view of the doctor or the nurse, uh, what that means is you should get your blood pressure checked regularly or you should make sure you take your medication uh, every day. Uh, But from the point of view of of the Indigenous patient, maybe it means something quite else. Uh, And uh, Richard Trudgen has suggested that, well, perhaps uh, people think they might have to avoid hot drinks because maybe that's what's sending their blood pressure up or or something or other else. So it's best if we talk in very clear, uh, straight-out terms. Um, We need to avoid double negative questions at all costs. If we might say, just off the cuff, you didn't take all those tablets, did you? Well, an English speaker is going to answer no um, if they didn't take them all. Whereas coming from an Indigenous language perspective, they will answer yes. Yes to the proposition that I did not take all the tablets. And of course, if you've got someone who's a reasonably proficient bilingual, you never quite know where they're coming from. Are they answering this question according to English norms? No. Or are they answering it according to the norms of Indigenous languages? Yes. Uh, Even though they might have the very same intention. If we think about uh, worldview, well, I'll give you a very simple example from uh, not quite in the health field, but I was uh, working with a ngankari, a traditional healer, uh, out at Bolonguru, Kinto. This is about 600 kilometres west of Alice Springs, but Alice Springs is the main local centre. And both Jabaljari and I knew Alice Springs fairly well. And he was trying to explain to me where his family was staying uh, in a particular house. Now, we were communicating perfectly. I knew exactly what he was saying. He knew exactly what I was saying. But he was talking about rocks and trees and all sorts of features in the landscape, which I'd never paid attention to whatsoever. I was thinking in terms of street names, Bloomfield Street or whatever. He had never paid attention to street names either. So whilst we were understanding each other at the linguistic level, uh, we just could not get on the same page at all. Uh, I still to this day have no idea (laughs) where this house where his relatives were staying is. And we can only extrapolate from that situation uh, to health communications where we're thinking in one set of uh, terms, uh, disease causation, 
virus, bacteria, uh, what have you, or, or some organ failing, um, they're thinking from a very different perspective about these disease causation. They're thinking about sorcery. And Indigenous people often say to me, well, Western medicine, um, it tells us how we get sick, but it doesn't tell us why we get sick, why one person gets cancer, another person doesn't, why one person, uh, you know, gets meningitis, uh, another person doesn't. Um, but their explanations about sorcery certainly does explain that. In Northeast Ireland, there's a term, wakingureri, uh, which is wild, untamed disease. And when I first heard this term, I was thinking this is something pretty serious. Yeah, maybe cancer, maybe leprosy, something. Uh, but actually, these are trivialing little ailments. Uh, a sniffle, a little bit of diarrhoea, uh, nothing too serious. And these are ailments which are just going around of their own volition. They're untamed, they're wild, they're not under the control of a sorcerer. And if that sniffle was to develop into something serious, uh, pneumonia or something, or that uh, bit of diarrhoea, bit of gastro was to develop into you know, something serious that was causing dehydration, uh, then it would no longer be Wakingu. There would be some sorcerer uh, behind it. There would be some cause. So people are thinking about the same thing uh, in very different ways. We're coming at it from very different perspectives. Why is it important that health professionals focus on, on these miscommunications? What, what impact might they be having on the, the health of First Nations people? Well, miscommunication, and often we're not even aware of this miscommunication, it's often right under the radar, and uh, both on the Indigenous side and the uh, health professional side, people might think they're communicating perfectly, that they are on the same page. But... Uh, if this communication is not good, then people are misunderstanding uh, what their condition is. And uh, I know Richard Trudgeon uh, uses this example of uh, where a patient wasn't familiar with the term tumour. And the health professional tried to explain this in terms of likened it to a boil, a big boil, uh, which put the patient's mind totally at ease. Oh, nothing to worry about. It's just a boil. We're familiar with those. And so they didn't understand the gravity, the seriousness uh, of the situation that, that the tumour was really quite serious. And so if people are not understanding um, their condition, then uh, and if they're not understanding the action of antibiotics and immunisations, uh, from my experience, uh, antibiotics are not, often not taken. People feel okay after taking the antibiotics for two or three days. Okay, yes, they've been told that they should take the entire course of antibiotics, but if they don't know why, well, why should they listen to this white fellow who's always telling me what to do? They feel better, throw them away. Uh, but if they knew how those antibiotics worked, uh, then they might be a bit more likely to finish the entire course. You said miscommunication isn't just about language and, and in 
your article, you gave the example of silence on the part of the First Nations person. You said this plays an important role in Indigenous cultures, but, but pauses in conversation may be misinterpreted by health professionals. Uh, what does silence mean in these conversations and, and how should health professionals approach it? Yes, in English, we have a, a, a very low tolerance for silence. Um, normally, we answer a question quite quickly. And if there is a silence, uh, well, we tend to ask another question, ask another question. But speakers of Indigenous languages tend to have longer silences, and particularly if the question is something important, they give a, a longer period of silence to give it more consideration and to formulate their response uh, to take a bit more time and care uh, in answering. And so there's a mismatch between the, the length of silence that's tolerated. We tend to jump in uh, if there's a, a silence of any duration at all. But what's also the case is that um, in English, if someone asks us a question, we feel kind of duty-bound to answer it, even if the answer is, well, look, I don't know, or it's not appropriate for you to ask me that question. Uh, we respond in some way. We we feel duty-bound. But the norms of communication in Aboriginal languages, uh, no. If it's not appropriate for someone to answer the question, they'll just leave it unanswered. Uh, if they don't know the answer, just leave it unanswered. There's There's no feeling that they have to respond. Eye contact is another thing which often leads to a kind of breakdown of communication. In English, uh, wider Australian culture, when we communicate, we expect eye contact. Eye contact tells us that the person is paying attention. They're listening to what we're saying. But in uh, traditional Aboriginal cultures, eye contact is really an assertion of authority. And particularly if the patient is, to, if the person is talking with a police officer or a judge or a doctor or someone in authority, uh, the last thing they are going to do is give direct eye contact because that's a challenge. That's a challenge to that person's authority. And if they're going to be respectful, uh, they pay deference, they avert the eyes, uh, which gives the right, totally the wrong signal uh, to the health professional or the police officer or the judge. Uh, it tells us, wrongly, uh, this person is not paying attention. They're not listening to what we're saying. From the Indigenous point of view, what they are saying is, we respect you, we pay deference to you, and, and we are listening to what you're saying. And how can the gap in communication be reduced? What, what are your top tips for health professionals? Well, number one, uh, take Aboriginal languages seriously mm -hmm. and do our best to, to learn uh, something of those languages. And look, even if we can only say hello or goodbye, it helps to build rapport. Uh, even just a few words makes a huge difference. Now, I understand uh, from working in the Kimberley, we used to have a flying doctor visit, the RFDS, uh, who would fly out from Derby. He would be in Balgo one day. You know, he might be in Fitzroy Crossing the next, the Luma, Mount House, uh, Halls Creek, uh, all over the place, uh, probably a dozen different languages. Now, 
I know I can't expect that doctor to have a good command of all those languages. Uh, it's just impossible. Well, I guess the next best thing is to employ medical interpreters. Now, surprisingly, uh, interpreters are reasonably well taken up in the legal sphere, uh, legal sphere in the court of law, but they're grossly underutilised within the health area. And uh, that doctor who used to visit Belgo, he said to me himself that here, you know, I practice veterinary medicine. He might as well have been treating a horse. Um, there was no attempt to communicate. And like I say, I can't really blame him. Uh, it's the situation in which he was placed. And there weren't medical interpreters. Uh, there were Aboriginal health workers who were expected to be that cultural broker. But whilst they're expected to do that job, they themselves, and I'm pretty sure this is true to this, to this day, have no training in interpreting and translation which is a very specialised skill. And um, it's quite a different issue to, say, interpreting in Spanish or Chinese or some other major world language. Now, of course, uh, most interpreters of Spanish or Chinese are generalist interpreters. They probably haven't got a background in health. But if they get into trouble and uh, meet terms that they haven't had before, well, they can easily pull out their iPhone or uh, and uh, look it up. And there's always a nice translation, ready-made translation of those medical terms in those major world languages. But the same just does not apply when we're talking about uh, Aboriginal languages in this country. Um, most of those specialised Western concepts are not yet encoded uh, in those languages. They could be. Uh, down the track, but at this point in time, they're not. So according to the, the national census, less than 10% uh, of people in the middle age group, leaving aside the very young and the very old, but less, less than 10% in that middle aged age group report that they speak English well or very well. And that uh, is probably, probably the case, but it's very deceptive. It's quite a different matter talking about family, talking about where people live, talking about going hunting, talking about everyday things, uh, to what it is to talk about specialised areas uh, like Western medicine, like uh, courts of law, uh, like policing, like social security. And uh, her study was done in northeast Arnhem Land of younger people's understanding of common legal terms, terms like summons, bail, arrest, terms which we take for granted. And what that survey found was that uh, Jungle understanding of those terms was very, very limited. Even the interpreters and translators in those communities had very limited understanding of those specialised terms. And what's most surprising is that the younger generation had least understanding of all. Uh, members of the older generation or the middle-aged generation had limited understanding too, but somewhat better than the younger generation, which is quite an indictment on the education system that that, that, that should be the case. Uh, so we don't have a comparable study within the health area, but I venture to say uh, 
understanding of terms like uh, bacteria, antibiotic, immunization, the nature of cancer, the, the nature of AIDS uh, would be very, very limited. Um, we still have yet to do that study. Thank you for your time, Robert. Oh, thank you very much.